of the serfs had failed, and that his reforms, though laudable, merely created demand for greater reform. Thus, by their very action, the terrorists had unwittingly aborted any chance of constitutional reform. Instead, they got a new Tsar, Alexander's son, Alexander III, who immediately tore up his father's parliamentary proposal, undid his reforms, and intensified the level of repression. The new Tsar's manifesto on unshakable autocracy, issued within two months of his father's death, summed up Alexander III's view on how Russia should be ruled. Liberalism and democracy were considered signs of weakness. For the benefit of all, his people needed to be ruled with a firm hand, and the nation needed to be more Russian. Ethnic languages and nationalistic tendencies were repressed. The vast empire was to be subject to the Tsar's Russification and autocratic rule. The Tsar intended to start teaching his son the art of statesmanship once Nicholas had reached the age of thirty. But on the 1st of November, 1894, aged only forty-nine, Alexander III died of kidney disease. His son was still only twenty-six. Following the death of his father, a fearful Nicholas was thrust unprepared into the limelight reputedly asking, What will become of me, and all of Russia? Nicholas II, the last Tsar Russia, in the early twentieth century, was a mesh of nationalities and ethnicities. Ukrainian, Georgian, Finnish, Baltic, Armenian, German, and Polish, among others. According to the Russian census of 1897, Russians themselves only constituted 44% of the Tsar's sprawling empire. This was far from a happy conglomeration of nationhood, and the Tsar needed all the mechanisms of state control to maintain command of his subjects. Imperial Russia Determined to follow in his father's footsteps and rule by autocratic means, he misread the underlying discontent within the empire as the malign influence of the Jew, rather than as genuine grievance. Organizations such as the pro-Tsarist Black Hundreds instituted pogroms against the Jews. Their communities were forced to settle in the western reaches of the empire, the Pale of Settlement, where their movements were curtailed. Sergei Vitter, Russia's Minister of Finance and after 1905 Russia's first Prime Minister, was convinced that if Russia was to hold its own against the great European powers, it needed to industrialize. He financed Russia's industrial and economic progress through large foreign loans, burdening Russia with foreign debt and heavy indirect taxation. This particularly affected the peasants as rents rose and grain prices fell. In some areas, the effect was devastating, such as the famine in central Volga in 1898-99. Socialists in 1898, amidst this turmoil, the Russian Social Democratic Labour Party, RDSRP, emerged as the leading advocates of Marxism and revolution. In 1902, its newest member, Vladimir Lenin, published his pamphlet, What is to be Done?, in which he firmly allied the party to the interests of the working classes. Only the party truly understood the needs of the workers, more so than the workers themselves, who, left to their own devices, were concerned only with narrow ambitions, such as improved pay and conditions. 
It was down to a party of professional revolutionaries fighting on their behalf the vanguard of the proletariat to bring about wholesale revolution. Declared illegal, in 1903 the RDSRP had to hold its second congress in London, where its members quarrelled to the point the party split into two factions, Bolshevik and Menshevik. Bolshevik translates as the majority faction, the Mensheviks being the minority. Confusingly, the Mensheviks were the majority faction until 1917. Both factions agreed that the three-century-old Romanov dynasty had to go. But whereas Lenin and the Bolsheviks advocated a core of professional revolutionaries under centralized leadership who would lead workers into revolution, the Mensheviks proposed a more gradual approach. Come the revolution, the Bolsheviks would immediately transfer power to the urban working classes, the dictatorship of the proletariat.